Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with co-host Aaron Keller. And today we're lucky enough to be joined back in the podcast room with our biologist, Heather Reich, to talk about bears. A lot of people have had a lot of questions. Heather's even done presentations around town. So, Heather, it's good to have you back in here. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. I didn't know that if I would have an opportunity to do this this season, so it's good to see some friendly faces. Yes, and then on top of it, it is the season, and if any year was a year to talk about this, it's this year. (laughs) But we were talking about how we've done a lot of the educational stuff. We've had you in here. If you haven't heard it, people check out our whole podcast stream and you could listen back to some of the podcasts we've done with Heather in the past. Um, but we've never really got into talking about our bear populations as a whole, like what kind of bears we have, how many. So that's kind of what we wanted to tackle today. So Heather, let's just start with, let's start with what type of bear do we even have here in Nevada? So we have, um, only the American black bear in Nevada. Um, couple hundred years ago, yes, we had grizzlies here, um, but their population was winked out by the 1900s and has never come back in. Now, it it confuses people because although we do have American black bears here, they are mostly brown in color. So about 95% of our population is going to be brown in color, which is just genetics and also the environment that they grew up in. Um, So that scares a lot of people. They'll call and say, I have a brown bear in my yard. Well, technically, it's actually a brown-phased black bear. Um, I was royally schooled by a sixth grader who was very frustrated that we scientists have not then changed that (laughs) whole fact, Um, but (laughs) that's way beyond (laughs) me. Um, But yeah, that's the only thing that we have here is um, black bears, usually brown in color, although they do come in some other, other shades as well. You got it. Yeah. When we're talking, when we say black bear, that is the scientific name of the species (laughs) we're not referring to the color um so how many bears do we have here in nevada then i know that's kind of a tricky question to answer it kind of is it's kind of about a year of um professional schooling to try and get into a (laughs) nutshell in one minute here but um uh, to, to do the population in, in Nevada takes a lot of research on our end with something called mark recapture, which is how we keep track of our bears. When we first handle a bear, it gets tagged. That's its mark. And then over future years, if we recapture that bear, that a- adds to the data. Um, all of this data we send over every few years to those way smarter than me, um, namely Dr. Jim Sedinger at the University of Nevada, Reno, who actually does our population modeling for us. And the last population modeling that he did for us in 2018 put us at 452 bears. Now, the caveat with that, (laughs) here's where all the science comes in, is that is specifically for our study area. Um, It's where we have done actual um, targeted research toward this, and that includes the Carson Range, the Carson and Truckee Meadow Valleys, and the Pine Nuts. So that's the number of that 
little circle that you draw in Western Nevada. Now, what you do is you take that number of 452, and then you have to kind of extrapolate out to all of those other areas of Nevada that we know we have bears. We just have not gone in and scientifically sampled them. So that's why we say that we have a population that's somewhere between 400 and 700 bears is extrapolating that out. We think we have upwards of 700 bears. We just don't have that firmly in place as far as scientific research goes. So we have that hardcore number of 452. And what's more important than the actual number is looking at what the trend is from that number. Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it staying pretty much the same? So um, there is a year of um, college education for you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good sum of it, though. <laughs> um, we do know that we have um, many, many bears outside of that study area. The Wasics range, we know that we have breeding females there. We get people that call us about females with cubs the same all the way up to the Oregon border in North Washoe we have ranchers out there who have documented lots of bears all the way over to Pyramid Lake we have ranchers that have documented bears on their property so um, again we do have a good population they are continuing to reincorporate into historic ranges in Nevada where they always used to be but they got killed off by the 1900s so when when we're talking about the population, we say that it is stable to increasing. Our known population of bears is stable. Outside of that known population is increasing. Okay. I think this is surprising to some people. We talk about it so much here in Western Nevada. Everyone who works in our Reno offices knows we have bears. We talk about it every year. But to people listening in Southern Nevada, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear we even have bears in the state. And we sometimes get a wanderer down south. So really? when I first came on in 2018, there was all this hullabaloo about a bear that showed up in Caliente. Wow. Um, you know, we've, we've got them documented in Elko, um, down in Goldfield. I mean, th these are transient bears. These are bears that are just passing through and probably testing the waters, but they can be seen throughout the state. It's just not an established breeding sustainable population. Right, because all the states around us their surrounding states all have bears in them as yep. well yep and so at any point those bears could just get a while there and just say i'm gonna go look over here and walk over yeah so yep yep nothing to say that they're not down in southern nevada but do right. we know i mean i don't even know if you could answer this right here and now but was that bear would that have been part of our population up north or would that just have been traveling from a neighboring state we tried to catch that bear we sent one of our culverts down there to see if it, we could catch up to it and uh, unfortunately we didn't catch up to it we speculate that given the area that it came into it probably came over from utah it uh, traveled through mm -hmm. nevada and actually ended up down in arizona because a lot of our bears in the state are part of the sierra nevada population right yes so all the bears that we capture we do genetic sampling of we take a hair sample from them we take blood from them and we can run the genetics on that and a few years ago we actually published on that data that um, genetic flow is predominantly eastward from the northern sierra bear population which the northern sierra bear population encompasses about 10,000 bears so that's the core of the genetics that are feeding into nevada Hmm. Okay. So interesting. And that's the other thing is they, they travel far. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> And so what, yeah, what keeps them from, or what's like the limiting factor to keep them like just going all over the state? Um, 
with what we're experiencing here in um, the Sierras and in the Pine Nuts, so if you if you were to look at that number I talked about earlier, right. that 452, in the mid-90s, we were just going up in trend with bears. I mean, they were increasing it was 16 to 21% increase annually in our bear population. What we're seeing now is that starting to plateau off, which tells us that our that those environments are reaching what we call carrying capacity. It just means the environment has pretty much as many bears as it's going to mm -hmm. be able to hold. So that doesn't stop bears breeding, right? So we get these bears that when they um, split away from mom at about a year and a half of age, from there until about four or five years of age, they disperse and they go to try and find a new home um, that isn't chock full of bears and already taken over. So right. that's where we see this movement eastward or these dispersal bears that are starting to say, hey, you know, the wasps look pretty good and there aren't a ton of bears here and there's plenty of food, so I'm going to hang out here. Is it food then mostly? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's dictated by natural resource availability. Those are the teenage bears, Those as you call the them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're venturing out on yes. their own. Yes, and mom. so what is a natural, like what's a food source for a bear? Then. Depends on where you're talking. So mm -hmm. um, mainly our bears are about 85% vegetative matter, um, but they do take advantage of protein where they can, and that's going to come in the form of fawns in the spring. Um, our black bears will kill adult deer, but rarely. Um, usually bears are very opportunistic. They're kind of lazy in that sense. <laughs> so we have documentation of them taking over kills from mountain lions. So that seems to be pretty much where they're going to be getting their meaty stuff from. Although in the fall, we have the kokanee run up in Lake Tahoe. And so we do have a bit of a cluster of bears that will go in and take advantage of the fish. But it's not a huge dietary requirement for them. Um, and that, you know, and, uh, along with that is going to be insects. They love um, ground nesting wasps. It's a really big high protein diet there. Um, pine nuts are a huge thing in the fall, which of course this year we didn't have any pine nuts. So that's mm -hmm. been affecting the population. Berries, I mean, you name it. If another animal can eat it, the bear is going to take advantage of it too. Grass? Yes. Just like meadow yeah, grass. Yeah, actually in, in the spring, so when bears come out of the den, there's not a heck of a lot of food out there, right? Because right. the snow has just melted away. So nature dictates that the bears go down to lower elevations where we're seeing all that nice green grass starting to come up, which is high in carbohydrates and protein. And so they'll start feeding on that. That And in fact, if you come across bear poop in the spring, it looks a lot like horse poop because it's just chock full of grass. It's fooled me a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they'll follow that green up into the higher elevations as summer comes on and the, and the snow melts off. But yeah, mm. good point. And we're actually getting a lot of documentation of bears eating grass in residential areas this fall because there's just not a lot of resources out there right now. So they're kind of going back to the beginning like, okay, we know grass is good. We're going to have to eat this. Which is, that's where we're getting the calls from people saying, I saw a bear in my neighborhood. But to us, we're like, Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Everyone else has to. Yes. <laughs> not to say I'm not trying to downplay anything. Right. The surprise of seeing a bear in your neighborhood. But for us, we hear it all the time. Right. <laughs> I've, I've had friends that have been fishing on the Truckee River and they're like, I saw a bear on the river. And I'm like, yeah, of course yes. you did. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good spot yeah. for a bear. <laughs> well, there was that video um, circulating social media. And I think it was even picked up by the news of a bear in downtown Reno. But it was on the river at 630 in the morning. Yes. And I'm like, no one's around. 
fruit trees lined that river, it probably just followed the river right down oh, and made its way out of the area. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you think about the water is so important to bears right now. It helps exactly. them keep cool. They need that resource. There's a lot of cover on the Truckee to allow them to move in and out. And I'm sure that poor bear, when sun came up and everyone was down taking I'm getting pictures, out of here. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> By noon, he was long oh, gone yeah. <laughs> out of that area. <laughs> It's so cool to see bears, though. It oh, is. They are fun creatures, for sure. Even to it see is. tracks or, like you said, like their sky is so yeah. distinct. Yes, you can really tell a lot from a bear poop what it's been into and what it's been eating. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we, sides. yeah, we have a friend that they have a bear that comes through their goalie, and then it sometimes comes in their backyard, and then they have two kids, and they're on poop duty, bear yeah. poop duty, and they have to <laughs> go through and clean it up. Nice. And, oh yeah. God. It's quite the chore. <laughs> they so. could probably be hired out, actually. <laughs> yeah, <Right>? seriously. <laughs> well, I think we're going to take a quick break there. This is going so fast. But <laughs> we will be right back. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. We are joined by Heather Reich. So happy to have her in the podcast room today talking about everyone's favorite topic, bears. <laughs> so Heather, we were talking during the break and we said, why not start with some fun bear facts that people may not know? Um, and you said you had a few up your sleeve. It's very so. timely <laughs> <laughs> because we are in the fall. This is uh, the time of year that we have hyperphagia, which is just that big drive for bears to get up to 25,000 calories on board every day. Um, so they're trying to fatten up for the denning season. Now, this plays a really big role in how many cubs we have coming out of the den in the spring. So what a lot of people don't know is um, kind of the the pregnancy of bears and how it works. So breeding season for bears is June and July. That's kind of the bulk of it. However, while the female does get fertilized at that point in time, she doesn't actually implant the fertilized eggs until about now. And the reason for that is because this fall, this, this period of time to get these calories on board is what dictates how healthy mom is going to be going into the den. So what's going to happen is she'll go into the den in, in November and her body's going to say, okay, you did pretty darn good this fall. You've got a really good fat layer on. It's not exceptional. So you know what? We're just going to implant like two. You're just going to have two cubs this year because that's pretty much all I think that we can support through the denning period. Um, if she goes in a bit thinner, her body may just say, you know, we're only going to be able to do one cub or, you know what, we're just not going to have any cubs at all. We're not going to implant or on the other side of that, like up in the Tahoe Basin, you are obese. <laughs> we're going to put like three or four of these babies in you and you're going to hmm. come out with a large litter size. So it's all dictated by their health going into the denning season. So that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And the other thing is that mom can have um, cubs from different males. So that's why sometimes we'll see a female with one brown cub and one black cub. Those are two different fathers. Uh, 
so those cubs have a little bit different genetics in them and I that's also no idea that's why you get the larger and the smaller a lot of people would refer to them as runts but it's actually just different genetics in that smaller cub hmm. so it she has them all at once yes but it could have oh my gosh that's so interesting yeah, could be yeah. two different is that unique cubs. to black bears uh no, no no bears in general just bears in general mm -hmm. yeah huh yeah over the years heather has fed me a lot of bear facts that then I either post on social or I tell the media and I didn't even know that one so I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket <laughs> <laughs> it's why we see you know in an area like uh, the Tahoe Basin and the Carson Range where we have such a high density of bears or so thick with bears but they have so many natural resources available to them in the form of garbage and human food because I mean we have so many tourists up there and inevitably they're going to have access to these types of things um, it allows the bear's body to actually um, let them have more cubs than would naturally have had occurred if there were no people in the Tahoe Basin they would not breed as prolifically as they are right now so mm -hmm. that's why we see so many bears up there as they are able. We have kind of an artificial carrying capacity, if you yeah. want to get all right. sciency again, um, up there just because there's all this extra food that's available to them, whereas the natural environment would not support that. So number. if they were in a natural diet, they would have one to two? or It would be more average at two, yes. To average of two. Mm -hmm. Right on. So interesting. Mm. And like you said, I mean, we've created this habitat for them. Mm -hmm. Humans have <laughs> up in Tahoe. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at, you know, I mean, right now we're in this epic drought. I mean, mm -hmm. we did have berries this year compared to last year where we had a complete failure of the berry crop. We did have berries, but they, they were sh very short lived. They dried up and shriveled pretty quickly. And so these bears are up there with no water. It's flipping hot outside and there's food, no food. And so they're up there and they're looking down and they're like, oh, the barbecues and look at the green grass. Same and as me. That's what I yeah, do. You know, they, <laughs> nature dictates that, you know, that, so I, I talked about earlier on in the spring, they come down and then they follow the green up to the higher elevations. And then in, in a purely natural environment, they would follow the berry crop back down low as it got colder up high first. And so they end up back down in the valleys in the fall for that hyperphagia time. So it's natural that they all come down into the Truckee Meadows and the Carson Valley. Unfortunately, as I always say, they bump into us and we have our ponds. And oh my gosh, this year the koi ponds are uh, such a problem. A mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the I mean, bears. <laughs> apiaries, chickens, green grass. I mean, it's just, it's this, and we didn't have the fruit tree production that we have had in past years that has also contributed to bears coming down. So now they come down and they're like, oh, there's no fruit. What else is there? So right. um, it's kind of a perfect storm of, of um, bears following their natural habits, but then ending up in conflict as a result. Of so it. when you say berries, what natural berries are they keying in on? Manzanita is a huge natural berry for the bears. Okay. Um, we do have service berry, thimble berry, things like that up in the drainages that they can take advantage of. They love rose hips. So I mean, any drainage in right. Nevada has rose hips in them. And, you know, the pine nut's not a berry, but um, usually something that they take advantage of. Although we've had a failure this year, so that mm. doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I watched a presentation you did in Carson City recently, and I love you showed a picture. You were actually out. Um, I think you even released a bear. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and you showed this beautiful view of Carson mm -hmm. and you were like just imagine being a bear and looking down on this and you see beautiful trees 
there's houses and they're getting the smell of garbage. Yep. It's just like this landscape of endless food Ease. for them. <laughs> yeah, easy, <laughs> easy food. food. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's a couple mile walk for a bear, which is nothing. That's like, you know, an hour long stroll and we go down and we get our food and, you know, head back up in the hills for the night or for the day rather. And then at night, come back down and do it again. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. What were you going to ask? Oh, I just, I was just picturing when I've been out scouting or glassing hillsides or hiking, just seeing bears. And every time I see them there, it's like such a shock to me to see them up on the mountain, but I can't stop watching them, like do what they do, whether they're eating or just walking or whatever. And so it's just, I don't know. I was just picturing that. (laughs) You just look deep in thought. Yeah, when you were telling the story, I was like, you know, I I work with bears every day, and I I'm the same way. You know, Mm -hmm. you get out there and you see them in their natural environment. You can't just help and just sit and be quiet and and just watch them do what they do. They're they're really interesting, agile, you know, smart creatures. Mm Yeah. And the cubs, just so cute. Oh, they really are. Um, I did want to, one thing we, we talked a little bit about the drought, but we've been, we've had so many questions of how are our bears impacted by fires and the drought conditions combined. Could you talk on that a little bit? So the drought conditions, basically, um, what that does is makes bears move more looking for available food because of course it becomes more scarce. So as a result of that, of course, we see increases in people seeing bears down in the Truckee Valley or in the Truckee Meadows and the Carson Valley. We get more calls as a result of that. Um, the fires we've been really lucky with. Um, California has been just dealing with devastating fires, but they haven't really impacted Nevada all that much. You know, the Dixie fire stopped at the border. The Calder for- fire never made it into Nevada. The Tamarack fire made it into Nevada, but not very far. Um, so we haven't seen a huge impact to our bears other than just seeing a bit more movement out of that Calder fire. So as the Calder fire was going on, we saw a really big incri- increase in, unfortunately, bears getting hit by cars on 395 through Douglas County. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and a little bit of increase in calls and things like that. But as far as burned bears... Um, We didn't deal with any of them. We had a couple of young bears that were right on the edge where they stopped the fire right at a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. the bears, of course, moved to that edge and we got an increase in calls. But luckily for us, that Tamarack fire burned in an area where we do not have a high density of bears. It again was that pinion, juniper, sagebrush type habitat that does not support a thick population of bears. So while it does impact a little bit of bear habitat, it wasn't devastating to them by any means. And I talked to some firefighters who were standing in the burn area just a few days after the fire went through, and they said they watched a bear just lumber along, get into a pond, swim around, and then just lumber on its way again. So they actually reincorporate those burned areas pretty quickly. They're opportunists, and unfortunately a lot of other animals suffer and die within those burns, but the black bears are part of the cleanup crew. They kind of go in and they're able to utilize those carcasses that are left behind. Yeah, I think if I pictured a fire coming through, right, that there would be bears and deer and things going in front of the fire and then they would be pushing along, and I think that's what a lot of people kind of imagine a fire doing to wildlife, but bears, you would think after that the grass and everything's going to come up as I mean, they're going to go right back in there, just like all the other animals. But Yeah, we have collars on bears, and usually what we see is within a couple of days of the fire going through, the bears are back in those burn areas. So they do utilize stuff in there. Right, and I was, Ashley and I were talking, I don't know, a week or so ago, and I was saying, 
in your mind, right, the, the fire burns and what's the one place they protect as firefighters? They protect the houses and the neighborhoods. Well, where do you think the animals are going to go, at least for a certain amount of time? And then once the fire's out, they're going to turn around and go back. They don't want to be in there necessarily. Not at all. You no, know. bears want to avoid people. And that's why, you know, in, in these situations where we're getting a lot of calls, people aren't necessarily seeing the bears all the time. They're seeing them on their ring doorbells. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the bears are out at night because they're trying to avoid people. They want to take advantage of the attractants that are left out, but they do not want to be detected by people. So that's why we see a lot of the activities mostly at night. So the bears are trying to avoid us. They don't want to interact with us. Although I know a lot of people um, don't quite understand bears and they can get concerned that a bear was going near their house, but it's they're just there for the easy food, and <laughs> we humans are not easy food, <laughs> yeah. so we should not be scared And of you the can bears. definitely tell that bears are not, you know, they don't want to be around people. When you see them on those ring doorbells and then a car drives by and they freak out mm-hmm. and they go behind the truck or they, you know, they try and hide from that car and then as soon as the car goes by, they take off, really. Yep. But yeah, they're just trying to avoid us while taking advantage of easy food. Anything. They yeah. don't want to spend energy on us, no. especially if they're <laughs> trying so hard to find that easy food. Exactly. Why would they spend the energy on us? Um, we couldn't have you on and not just go over a few quick things, especially, as you said, it's hyperphagia right now. Mm-hmm. Bears are looking for easy meals. We've had a dry year. What are some things, a few quick things people can do? right now to secure attractants so just the same things you know clean up your fruit don't leave it out if you if you can avoid it if you don't utilize your fruit just take the fruit tree down seriously or else you're gonna have to have a bear in your yard and we're gonna say yeah you're gonna have to deal with it um no bird feeders if you must feed the bears please just put the bird feeder out in the morning and take it in you know before dusk feed Um, the birds Oh, sorry. You said if you must feed the bears. bears. Do not feed feed the birds. Don't feed the bears if you must feed the birds. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can take a handful of seed and throw it out on the ground, and that way the birds can still come in and and eat it. But the bears don't want to pick up seed by seed, of course. Garbage is a known attractant. People need to be securing their garbage in a shed or, you know, some kind of structure. We've worked really hard with waste management and Douglas Disposal to provide bear-resistant containers, but unfortunately everyone's on back order right now. Um, still recommend that people call and get on a waiting list but mainly right now I'm just pleading patience with everybody do what you can to make your property not attractive please be patient it's a very tough year on the bears it is almost November and the bears are going to start heading up pretty quick here to go to dens so please just be patient and, and do what you can to keep them from coming into your yard the bears will den soon and Heather will get some sleep. I could talk to you all day and I'm looking at the time <laughs> and we're out of time. So it's depressing. But thank you, Heather, Thanks, so much guys. for coming on. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.